Welcome everyone to a new episode of Cyril Talks. Super excited today um, to welcome our guest, Nicole Chapiteau. She is the fashion director of Vanity Fair magazine. And she actually happens to be an old classmate of mine. We both went to NYU at the same time. And it's been just amazing to see the journey and to just see all the growth. And so I thought that because of us talking about um, women behind the scenes, that Nicole would be the perfect person for us to talk to, to learn about her career journey and about just what it takes to become a fashion director of a magazine like Vanity Fair. So <laughs> Nicole, welcome. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. Been a long time, but I know it's been ages. <laughs> it's so funny, but it has been a long time. And I just remember, I feel like the last time I probably saw you was like, I think you were st still maybe at Mary Claire. And I was um, working in the Universal building. I was still at Star Trek. And I think we were almost like across, kind of across the street from each other. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. we ran into each other. So it's just funny because I was like us in our early, early, early <laughs> days and- Early days, young and hustling. <laughs> young and hustling, exactly. So yeah, and then just over the years, I've just, you know, I'll see your name come up and obviously you've worked at different magazines and then, um, and then we're also family friends. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. My dad speaks to your dad, um, yes. and re recently they were speaking to each other. Um, you know, when my dad was sick, uh, he had mm -hmm. COVID actually. So yeah, my dad told me. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just so funny because it's like, even though we, you know, haven't seen each other in years, there's always this, like this connection. You know what I mean? So um, it's the Haitian connection. Yeah. Always, always yeah. the Haitian connection. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I know you're busy, you know, you are a mother, you are a busy, you know, busy with your career. So, um, yeah, let's jump into it. Let's jump into it. So, um, okay. So my first question is, I always like to ask people instead of kind of giving them a title, I always like to ask people what they call themselves. What do you call yourself? Oh, that's such a good one. I mean, I feel like first and foremost, I call myself a black woman, a black mother. That is like who I am. And that's something for me that has changed over time. Like, I mean, I've always been a black woman that hasn't changed, but I would say at first I was like a girl, you know, learning my way. And then I became a mom and that really changed who I am. And it defines me a lot as a person and I don't find anything wrong with it. So yes, I am a black mother. I love it. Yeah. And that's why I always say, I'm like, I can give a title, but I feel like so many times we get these titles and people view us a certain way, but that's not necessarily, it doesn't cover everything. It doesn't encompass everything. So that's why I always like to ask, like, you tell me, you know? Yeah. Um, so you have been in fashion for the majority of your career. I know you started off wanting to, um, be an architect, right? Yeah. So, okay. What made you, I guess, initially decide that that was what you wanted to do? And then how did you end up transitioning into fashion? I will say I, I always wanted to work in fashion. That was something that was like, I feel like it was like in my DNA. It's like, 
the way I played with my toys, my mom will say, the pictures I would draw when I was younger. I was obsessive having magazines. I still have some from when I was like a really little kid. But, you know, having Black parents, having a Haitian parent was like, that is not a career that you will be pursuing. So I, I did love architecture. I always loved buildings and like the way they got made. So I just decided to study that while I was at NYU. And I started working there like immediately after college. I worked at an architecture firm called Raphael Vignoli Architects. Okay. So I was on like, I was on a design team where, you know, we did competitions. I put together like books and stuff. And I just realized like, oh, this is cool, but this is not really what I want to do. And I will say, I'll date myself a little bit. But I watched September 11th happen on my way to work. I stood outside our building, which was downtown and watched it. And then like, I watched the first building, then I saw the second building. And then I went inside to go to work. Like I was still like that jaded New Yorker. We're like, well, this shit's crazy. Let me go to work. And then all of a sudden I was like, this isn't right. This is crazy. And I left. And I remember thinking like in the weeks to come, cause we weren't allowed to go back to work. I was like, wow, if you could die at work, this this sucks. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't want this career. I don't want this life. I want to be somewhere. I'm going to be spending like eight to 14 hours a day doing this. I want to love it. And I want to be passionate about it. Cause like, if you could die there, like it just shows you like you can die at work. Like I have to do something I'm loving. So I just made a switch and I took some classes at FIT with another friend of mine who also went to NYU. She was working in music and she wanted to work at in fashion as well. So we took some classes together and then I interned and I was like, set. I was actually going to be a buyer for Neiman Marcus. Like they have a buying program in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And at the same time I got that job, I got an offer at Marie Claire magazine where I was interning and I was like an older intern and it's totally okay. I still like did my job, made some money on the side so I can like support myself, but they both came along and I was just like, magazines is what I love. Let me just do this. So that's where I got started. And it was, it's been great ever since. Amazing. You know, it's so interesting these days that there's this whole conversation around whether it makes sense to intern or not, or, you know, people want to like get paid or, you know, they don't think it's worth it. And I mean, we came from a time where we interned, you know, and, and whether we were, we were happy to, to go in the, get in the building and get the opportunity and be able to just be in that space. So I just, I'm still, pro interning I still think it's the best way to learn especially for like you know the kind of job you have where such a big part of it is having to be in the environment and see how people are working and kind of learning you know in on the um learning on the job you know and seeing like it's like you get and it also shows you like is that the life that you want because you're yeah. you're intern you're not interning necessarily for like an assistant. You're interning for someone who's higher up, and you get to and even if you are like your boss is their assistant, you're around that person that you're like this is the job I want to have, and you get to see like is this really the job I want to have, and like you'll get to see how they got there and the thought process that they had that made them who they are, and I think it's so valuable. I, I think it's a shame that companies don't have a lot of interns these days. I know people need to make money, but I think that there's a way, like I interned and worked. So you just have to like launch your schedule if you can do it. It's really, it's almost like old school days where they'd have, you'd be an apprentice for someone who is like sewing or a plumber. Like you had to learn on the job. Exactly, it's being an apprentice. I mean, that's how you, there's just certain things about like a job like 
what you do that, you know, it's unconventional. It's not just that you kind of take these classes and that's gonna guarantee that you are prepared. I mean, there's so many other skill set right. nuances and just so much more that you have to kind of um, just take in to really understand how it works. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it's similar in my space. There's that conversation still right. where, you know, kids are like not really understanding why they need to intern and, and not to mention it's competitive. So we need to know if you're, if you're cut out for this or not. So that's yeah. how people get filtered too, you know, like. <laughs> like I remember somebody was interning and I was an assistant at the time and she was like, in the closet, you know, like we have fashion closets and your job is crazy. Like you manage all these things coming in and out. You're managing another group of interns. You have to like set the schedule for photo shoots and all these things. And she was bad at it. And she was like, what do I do? And I was like, well, you're bad at this, but doesn't mean you shouldn't work at fashion, but you know, like this step is hard for you. So you, and she realized doing that job that she wanted to do a different aspect of fashion that she's like really great at so like it's all, all and like she wouldn't have known if she didn't have that opportunity so yeah. <laughs> but what did you um when you were interning what did you gravitate to what did you love about it that made you say that this is this is what you want to do i always see fashion as like art and I just felt like it was like constantly ever-changing art and like telling the story. And I also love movies and I love movies and TV. And I, but I always gravitate towards the fashion of things. So I feel like they always tell the story. So like, if you think about like, let's say like, I don't know, a Spike, let's say a Spike Lee movie that mm -hmm. Ruthie Carter did the, the costumes for. If you watch that and if say if everyone was just wearing like a white t-shirt and jeans, you'd be like, this movie sucks. Right. So like, I always like, it's same thing with a Wes Anderson movie. It's like, you look at every little aspect of what they're wearing and how it really tells the story. And that's what I gravitated towards in fashion. Like I loved being, having the opportunity to just be in the fashion closet when there was a stylist in there coming up with what, what look she was, or he was going to choose to put on the model. Like that was my favorite thing. I'd always, I'd sit there. I'd probably be annoying being like, why'd you choose that shoe? What about this? Do you like this? Like, but not in a way that was like, girl, you need to get out of this closet. It was more yeah. like, teach me something. And I also have some ideas. Like, what do you think about that? And I think that's where I like was so inspired. And then it's like, you get to go on, like I go on market appointments and see things or like jewelry designers making something that always like, it looks it's like little pieces of art that we everyday people get to own as opposed to like, you know, the 1% who gets to have like a Basquiat in their house. Like right. we're- <laughs> we get to have that little piece of something yeah. that you can actually save for, so. Right, right, yeah. So there's like, there's a storytelling element mm -hmm. there. Yeah, it's funny as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, um, in a previous episode, I interviewed a costume designer. And so, um, and she's like worked on like ATL and like Ballers and all these different shows, but just talking about how you, how much, you know, what the person's wearing really just, I mean, you're, they're stepping into a character, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's like, they go from being whoever they are. Like, it's such a big part of like that shift into like the role, you know what I mean? It's not mm -hmm. just what you're, it's not just what you're saying, but it's like literally just stepping into it because of what you're wearing, you know? Right. Right. So, you, you, yeah. you are a character and you play this role and yeah. 
without that, like since you're, they're just images, there's no story written behind it. So you need the fashion to tell that story. So that's what I've always loved. Did you ever have any moments um, maybe where you might've had some like difficult lessons, like maybe things that um, you, <laughs> you know, worked on or were, were supposed to be doing at that time and maybe it didn't you know, work out the way you wanted it to, but you learned something from that? Um, I will say like, especially during COVID, I've learned so many lessons and they're just, you know, you know, it's about time. Like, right. You know, I've had a shoot recently where we had to ship all of the things to the talent and then they didn't arrive and just, you know, having to make do with what was there and it not really being my vision and having to deal with that and being like, it's actually, it's going to be okay. You know, like just managing those things. I think. Um, but there's always like, there's always things happening. It's like, it's a job where you definitely have to manage your time and also just things being thrown at you like at the last minute. So I've learned that juggle where it's like, we're going to have a shoot in two days where normally we'd have like, we're going to have a shoot in two weeks. Right. You have to work with it and you can't just be like, well, that's not enough time. So we can't do it. Like right, right. my boss would be like, excuse me. <laughs> Right. Exactly. You got to do your job. So it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And then there's so many pieces. There's so many moving parts, you know, and everyone has, we call it Jenga. Yeah. Oh, right? is like Jenga. It's a fully, like you pull one piece out, you have to do it carefully, be strategic about it. And then you can put it back, you know, all right. back together again. To describe it. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to start using that. Cause we can definitely, I mean, you know, when we have shoots and, and music or video shoots or any of that, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yep. So, um, so let's see. So as you work, um, kind of making your way up, I will say, um, I've had a lot of really amazing shoots, but most recently I got to, and I'm like still sad. It was just over zoom, um, at Vanity Fair, we did a digital cover of Dr. Angela Davis. And to me, that was like, it wasn't like this big fashion story. It wasn't telling that type of like, you know, like some crazy, amazing fashion story, but to work with her and the photographer was Dina Lawson, who I've worked with once before, was just like amazing. I was able to put her in a, a black designer who's Haitian. Mm -hmm. yeah. so like I just was like every I was able to like sit there and really think about the story of like Dr. Angela Davis she's gonna wear a black designer she's gonna wear a black designer whose heritage is from like the first slave re revolution like I thought about all of those things in making that picture and then it's like I feel like some like stylists on the side they'll like have all of these ideas of why they're doing these things but then you have to get like the talent to agree to it so when she was just like, I was like, oh, this is a black dinosaur. She's like, well, I'm wearing that. And I was just like, oh, I mean, this is a dream come true. Yeah. I wish I could have been in the room, like just everything about it. And I think it was beautiful. And she's someone I've always looked up to and learned about growing up. So that was like, I, like if I had to stop being a stylist now, I'd be like, I'd be fine with it. Right. No, that's Dr. Andrew Davis. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's, that's a dream. That's such a dream. And for it to be, it's, Angela Davis for Vanity Fair. I mean, that was an, an amazing cover. Yeah. Um, and I love the concept. I didn't realize that that was kind of what your thought process was. Yeah. I love I that. I'm so about like the process and I, that is 
crazy. I love that. The process, like I'll think about those things where I'm working on something and I'm like, even if it's like just a color and I'm like, oh, this color is really important to like this group of people. So we should use this here and like weaving those in. Or if it's like, you know, I think we should all use all women designers for this. Like I think I'm really thinking about those things, whether it's someone else is like being as nerdy and like historical and looking at those facts. But like, I know that's why it makes sense to me. Right. And it's also like the fashion should tell some, like it's like um another layer to the story. Absolutely. And that is what, what you know, art is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're telling a story. So I love that approach. It's not just, you know, what looks good or what's, you know, trendy or <laughs> looks good. On. Yeah. I mean, I love that you add all of those, that level of thoughtfulness. And I, and I always say that another like aspect of this podcast is kind of like identifying what, what the secret sauce is, you know? And that's like, to me, that's what you're explaining. You're like, this yeah. is like your secret sauce, you know? <laughs> that makes you unique in how you're, in what your approach is. Right. So I think that that's so dope. I love that. You feel like you kind of had a, a support system. Um, and did you ever come, did you ever um, end up having any mentors? Um, I'd say for the most, like I, maybe it's 50, 50 in the beginning, I definitely felt like I was trying to navigate this on my own. I didn't understand a lot of things until I went to, I'd say it was a Laura magazine and I had a really great, he was our creative director. His name is Paul Cavaco. And he really was like, you know, like treated you like almost like he was, you were one of his kids and like really guided you and taught you how to do things and taught me a lot of things that I still use in my career from him. And it, you know, I had a, a bunch of really great bosses that have, that I've had along the way. Mm -hmm. So that have helped me and guided me, but there is a lot of it that you have to just figure out on your own. Right. You just have to like make a decision, use your brain and keep going. Oh, <laughs> it's like, Sabrine. <laughs> she gonna make, is she going to make an appearance? <laughs> she looks actually nuts. So I would hope not. Her hair looks insane. Maybe not. <laughs> she, maybe not. she was like in here singing a song, standing next to me. Um, so yeah, I think part of it is um, navigating your own way and making your own path, but then using the people that you've worked with to ask them questions. like whether they're older than you or younger than you, like just having guidance and building that community and fashion is a lot, like this industry is a lot about building a community. Like I have my core group of like fashion. I don't like to call them fashion friends because they're truly my friends, but I met them through working in the industry mm -hmm. and we just bounce ideas off each other. We don't necessarily work at the same magazines or like in the exact same aspect of fashion, but we're there for each other, whether it's like, I'm up for a new job. Like how, how do I negotiate my salary? Mm, or so it's funny. like, I'm having this issue at work and I don't know how to deal with it. You have to find someone who you can talk to. And sometimes that is like an old boss or mm -hmm. someone like, I have someone who used to be at one point, she was my intern. And like, now she's just a close friend of mine. And like, she says, I'm her mentor, but I some like, well, you've mentored me along the way too. Like there's things yeah. that she's better at than me. Yeah. She's like, she's very boss and she's like a negotiator. So I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? And there's other things that she'll just come to me advice for. And I have an, 
other couple of friends that I'm just like, my best friend, Shiona Tarini, she, you know, she's worked in the industry. Yeah. I'm constantly like texting her. I'm like, oh my God, girl, I need your help. And like, <laughs> I just need to vent to you. And sometimes it's just like someone who you need to vent to and like, or I can send okay. her a picture. I'm like, I'm on set and I'm torn between like a shoe and like, what do you think about this? Like, I don't know which one to pick. And just having like that one extra person who yeah. you trust to be there for you. Totally. And, and it's so important because it's someone who gets it. Like you kind of have, you have to understand your, it's, they have to understand your world to un really yeah. understand the nature of the conversations and the interactions and like what actually matters, you know? Yep. So, yeah. That community is, is super important. Um, yeah, actually, Jasmine, who wasn't able to come on because she's working, um, but she worked for Shiona for uh, oh. yeah, at Teen Vogue. She interned for her, speaking of internships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they do know each other. Yeah, I mean, that was a while ago. Jasmine's like, you know. Yeah, Teen Vogue. I know she was there at Teen Vogue like, a while ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like maybe, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. Um, such a small world. Yeah. Mm -hmm um and I follow her she's killing it um so yeah. kudos to your girl for sure <laughs> yes another black woman killing it killing um, it yeah I love it I love to see all of you know just us out here in these spaces just like really making an impact and bringing our like real creativity you know I mean that's what this whole thing is about it's like it's because it's about like each individual person and what they're bringing to yeah what they're doing every day. It's like you have your unique instincts and your unique perspective that you're bringing, you know? Right. So. I feel like part of it is like, people like to say like, we're taking a seat at the table, but we're also creating our own tables. Yes. Other people to sit at. So like, that is like something I really believe in. We're not just, someone said this to me the other day, we're not just like getting in the elevator and going up and never looking back. We're like mm -hmm. getting in the elevator, sending it back down, getting someone else up and like bringing everyone together. Cause like, there's room for everyone. Yeah. There's room for everyone. Like you don't look at, you know, you don't go to the grocery store and just see like one type of bread to buy. There's all different, and it could be like eight different brands of white bread. Exactly. One was like, oh, there's already one white bread manufacturer. Can't make any more. Like, right. you know, we all, there's room for everybody. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important that, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we have so many different perspectives to share, you know, it's not just like this one. So it's, it's great that so many of us are starting to, you know, kind of get into these uh, roles and, you know, um, enter these rooms and these spaces. Mm -hmm. So, um creative spaces I feel like yes we're so like especially like within the Haitian community we're so ingrained that like creative spaces are not where we can be <laughs> that it, you know it's like gotta be the doctor lawyer engineer right, right. like that you know CEO and finance but like creative spaces it's almost like we're told they're not meant for us but like if you look at even Haitian culture there's so there's so many amazing artists there's artists that like Picasso copied like famous Haitian artists that are like, Picasso got that from us, you know? So we are creative people. And I think that it's great to be able to dive into those spaces. Right, right. And speaking of, I was going to say, so when you did decide to transition into fashion, how were your parents about it? Like, at what point were they like, okay, I understand what you do, because probably they don't get it. <laughs> and then at what point were they like, 
oh, look what my daughter does, you know? <laughs> I will say, from my mom, my mom is Amer like Black American, so she was okay. like, fine, you know, this is great, do what you love. I think my dad was much more hesitant, like, how is she going to feed herself? Like, I don't want to support my kids anymore kind of aspect of it, but he's been really supportive. Like he's guided me along the way. And I think especially like when I got like my first director title, I think he was like, oh, and then with Vanity Fair, he was like, my daughter works at Vanity Fair. Excuse me, everyone. I feel like he was like going to put it in the paper if he could, like take an ad out in the Times, excuse me, my daughter's at Vanity Fair. Right. So he like tells everyone. So I think he's like, just really proud. Like, I know he like texted my little brother, like, you know, Nicole got a really big job. Right. <laughs> so. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. No, it, I feel like it's always all those like steps. At first, it's like that turn that you make where you're like, I'm actually going to do something else. You know, right. they, have to, they have to digest that. And then normally it's like until, yeah, you get that role where it's something that they recognize. Mm -hmm. And then other people will, will know, you know, like it's yeah. a brand or like somebody famous or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they're finally like, okay. <laughs> you got it. Um, I didn't realize my mom is, is, um, American also. Oh, yeah. We have the same mix. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so interesting. That's a whole other ex interesting experience. Um, but yeah, no. And that's something that I think about a lot too, is just, yeah, we are such a creative people as mm -hmm. Haitians. And so I think, yeah, typically it's like, I mean, just like any, you know, first generation, I mean, the, the, um, you're encouraged to find, you know, a stable job. That's, that's the whole point of coming to this country is right. for security and for opportunity, but for stability, you know, yeah. not, not to kind of just go out there, you know, just, so that's why it's always the same options, doctor, mm -hmm. lawyer, you know, something along those lines. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, as you were kind of making your way up, um, were there any specific kind of moments you had where you were, uh, you know, whether it's a shoot or an assignment you had that you felt was kind of a milestone for you? I always think about like, you know, just fashion has typically been a mainly, you know, devoid of color, I guess I should say. <laughs> um, so, you know, to have navigated and then to now be fashion director at Vanity Fair, like how has your experience been as a black woman in fashion? You know, in this space, have you encountered any challenges? How have you handled them? A lot of questions. <laughs> I, I think as a black woman, I, I, I feel like, well, I feel like right now there's a shift and you're definitely seeing more black people right. that maybe you didn't know that they were there in fashion. Sometimes they're behind the scenes and there's definitely more creatives that are being brought to the forefront than there ever were before. And, you know, I'd say mainstream predominantly publications that appeal to white masses are bringing them forward which I think is great um but in the past it's just like I feel like before it was almost like a like a constant battle to to make sure that you're seen to get your voice heard to have your story as a, a black person told whether it's whether it's like in a model like being like pushing for a black model or a black actress or singer or something to to be like used in the story or it could be something as like I want to make sure that the person behind the scenes there's a black makeup artist there's a black photographer there's you know 
a black tailor on set, like some, you know, something like that, like just pushing to tell your story. And I think right now it's being like the voices that necessarily, or the, the ears that weren't listening to us before as black people are now starting to listen. They're, they're, they're just starting to be like, okay. So when you told me I should use XYZ makeup artists and I just kind of dismissed it because they weren't like so popular. It was like, no, they're actually super talented. And that's why I'm bringing you forward. And they're also a person of color. And now they're like, okay, I'll take your, I'll take your advice. So I think that's something that I've been able to do. And just even like, I think like telling our stories, I'm, I've been really adamant that you know, the way things are told. It's like when you're going to school and you're just like, oh, that's really interesting going up in school that I actually never learned about Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never told me that story. I had to learn it on my own. And it's because the textbooks are written not by people of color. So making sure that there's people of color in those spaces telling those stories and mm-hmm. not having someone else tell the stories for us. So there's been, you know, there's been like, there's always things where I've gone to, I feel like, at like fashion week where people are like oh that's not your seat because they don't know who you are and they're just assuming that your seat crashing because you're black Mm. and it's like actually this is my sign like there's always those like little microaggressions I've been in an appointment before where because of my name I showed up and they're just like oh you're black and I'm like wow and then they'll automatically be like oh and they'll start talking to me like are you married oh is your is your last name French because your husband is Haitian I'm like no and they don't like I and I'm not giving them more. I'm just no. And yeah. Just, ah. Yeah. You know, just, like there's like things like that. We're just like, wow, people don't realize how racist they can be. They don't. Wow. It's like microaggressions and fighting t- against those and calling people out over them and but also not just calling them out and canceling them, but calling them out and teaching them something like you need to change this and this is why this is messed up right. and moving forward like that. Do you feel that you've had to do that a lot? Like when you're, you know, when you guys are, you know, you're working with your like coworkers or your team um, or, you know, with bosses, do you feel like you've had to- I've had to do that that a lot in my career. Okay. Yeah, in my career. I don't say now at Vanity Fair, no, Mm -hmm. Um, primarily no. Um, But in my career, I've definitely had to do that. I've definitely- had to like just really be like this is shocking I mean I worked somewhere where there was a bunch of us there was like there was all of us I'd say maybe out of seven five of us were people of color and they used to call it down south where we sat and I heard someone say that I'm like that is crazy wow it's not funny and they know I know that they thought it was really funny to say that but I'm like that's not funny right right like, you're just like oh wow you know it's like yeah. We're down south. Let's head over down south, which was the fashion department, wow. so they can find out whatever. And it's it's like things like that that you're just like, nope, it's not okay. Mm. You you push on. And did you ever feel like? Have you ever felt hesitant or reluctant to say anything? Or did you ever feel like? Oh, for sure. Just didn't say anything, and you kind of wish you had, but you know, you just weren't in a position to feel comfortable. I've definitely had experiences where I, I didn't even know what to do. And sometimes like, I think I was so shocked by it mm-hmm. that it's, it's traumatic for you. 
to sit there in a room where someone is just blatantly saying racist things and not know what to say at the time. And it's like, no matter who you are, you don't know what's, what you'd say until you're in the circumstance. And there's time where I sat there quiet and just like, wow, and going away, feeling really bad about what has happened. Yeah. And then there's other times where I'm just like, this is not right. Right. Cannot speak to this person like this, not at all. Or, you know, and I've also feel like as I've grew in my career, if I didn't say something in the time, I felt empowered enough to go back and say something and be like, you know, during that meeting, when you said we had too many black singers on the cover, that was not okay. (laughs) Right. You would never say that with like five white actresses in a row. You never say it. Ever. Yeah. Now we wanted to put two black singers in a row. That's a wild statement. And they're like, oh, I just didn't mean anything by it. And they were like, you did mean something by it. You thought it was too many black people and not like, not being like, it's a term being like gaslit by it. Like not like letting someone being like, you're overreacting. Um, I'm not overreacting. I heard what I heard and that's it. So yeah. 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 So, okay, in terms of what your actual role consists of, so mm-hmm. how, like, okay, you have a shoot coming up, like, this is pre-COVID, I would say, mm-hmm. like, what goes into it? Like, how do you, how does it come together? We're going to shoot this okay. person. How do you make decisions on um, what the look's going to be? And are you choosing, also, are you making decisions um, for, the, like, the glam that you're going to use, like, makeup, hair? and yeah. We're making, so let's say, um, so if we have a shoot first it becomes like for Vanity Fair, we don't shoot models. So it's all talent. So like this talent has been confirmed with the shoot and we're kind of coming up with like a, a fashion, a storyline, a concept for that person, what we want to do, what we need in the book. Like, so we'll look through the layouts and be like, okay, this is missing something. Let's say recently we did um, in Vanity Fair, there was a story with Iman Haman. We're like, we're really missing something really bright and colorful and punchy and like happy and optimistic. So we booked this great, like amazing woman. Let's put that on her. And she happened to be a model. So that was like maybe a bad example, but she's a model. So we're like, okay, she can, you know, pull up bright color. What photographer should we use? So So we'll work with the creative team and come up with a photographer that can give you like bright optimism, happy story so get that and then you know pulling together a stylist that you know like if it's not going to be me styling it an outside stylist who can give you that vision and making that and so then talking about like okay we're going to do this with this photographer and this stylist I think like the makeup should be like this and the hair should be like this and like the nails like every aspect of it we're like let's 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 bring this all together so to create a full picture and then my team will like that stylist will or myself will create boards of the fashion that we want to use from all the different designers put them together we request them we try and do it like at least 10 days out sometimes it's like three days out but <laughs> you know like we, we'd like to get like 10 days out so we have time because everyone else needs those same things and they're like there's not like five Gucci looks of, you know, Gucci look number one. There's only one of them. Sometimes there's two. Yeah. And so like with COVID, there's usually just been one. They haven't been producing more than one for the PR firms. So getting to be able to reserve it, getting it in, looking it over and then figuring out which ones are actually going to be the best fit for that person. And we'll have like either the day before or the morning of, we'll 
fit everything either on a fit model or on the talent themselves. And then to narrow it down to like, if we have eight pages, we're going to need eight looks mm-hmm. and picking them like that. And then going from there and then you get like a layout in and you look and see which images are the strongest mm-hmm. not the layout you'll get like a I guess a contact sheet from the photographer and you're looking through which images you feel are the strongest the photographer is usually also submitting only the ones that they would you know feel like represent their work right. and work with those in a layout and it's like and then it goes to like a design team to like put the words and every like every little aspect of it where we'll sit th- we can sit in a meeting being like should we put the cover, like if it's cover, like the cover lines on this side, above or over here, did the colors blend too much? Like there's so many things that you're thinking of right? when it comes to everything, even like on set, like if you're like on set and there's a set stylist, you're like, don't use that color because when we have to put text on it, you're not going to be able to see it. Like there's so many things. Mm. And it's even with the photographer, like we need a shot that's like, you know, that we can crop to this angle to like this page you know, a vertical or horizontal, like we're working on all of that. And we're like, that will look really good here. So like every part of it, even it's like, there's a dress. Sometimes I'm like, we did a recent shoot on Gal Gadot in Israel. Mm-hmm. And I knew we needed like a page that would you'd open up to. So it's called the opener. And I was like, wow, it'd be really great if we got this red dress because it can blow in the wind uh-huh. and that can go like, she can be on one half of the page and the dress can be blowing on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so that is where we're like, okay, that will be great here. So we need to make sure he gets a vertical shot of her in this dress blowing in the wind. So like, it's like, it's every little thing that we're like thinking of and like, oh, it'll be weird if she's like, I've had things before where it's like, sometimes designs have like extra pieces on them, like, you know, strings hanging or ties and be like, that tie is going to just look like a weird line on the page. So like, we have to hide it. Like, there's like all these like little things that you're, you're playing with because you're thinking about how it's going to look in a layout of the page. Wow. So (laughs) I I love it. I mean, I just feel like if you're visual, I don't know, like I, 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 uh, I guess I'm, I'm relating, you know, because we have to do something I mean, we do that. We have a similar approach in music, like for our shoots. And so we're we're looking at all those details and I mean, I enjoy it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's like that part of you that other people might think is like anal or that is like a little overboard. You get to apply it at work, you know? So apply it at work and be like, like, I know I'll sit there and like, I mean, I know like everyone else does it too. Like we'll be looking at something, like say if it's like in another magazine to be like, oh my God, that one wrinkle is driving me insane. Like I can't focus on anything else but that. Right. Or like, you know, it's like a little thing. Like I had a shoot once where I had to like just step away from set and the photographer kept going and going and going. And I was like, oh my goodness, no one pulled her top up her part of a bra showing like I had to step away for a second and they knew that so like I was there to be able to like fortunately like in post being like fix that her bra is not supposed to show but you know like that's the little anal things and I'll notice I notice things like that when I'm watching tv and I'm like oh my god this is making me crazy I know that that's too long for the hem is too long so with the the celebrities do you Mm -hmm. have to run the looks by them not necessarily. Mm, I think it really depends on some celebrities want to be more involved. Mm-hmm. They want to know, like, sometimes they just want to know, like, what designers or what the, like, overall concept is. So, like, they might ask, like, oh, what's the concept for the shoot? And you can say, 
um, party dresses, you know, and then they're fine with it. But others want to see like exactly which ones or which designers are we going to use? And some of them have contracts, you know, like Cardi B just has like a, she has a Balenciaga contract. So, you know, they have things in their contracts where they have to wear that designer for X amount of things or in X amount of shots. So you have to work around those things. And if you know, like, I mean, I haven't been fortunate enough to shoot Cardi B, but like if I did, I'm like, she has a Balenciaga contract. So I need to look at the Balenciaga show to see like that. We can't do a whole Balenciaga shoot because that's not how, you know, that's basically an ad, but what yeah. other designers will work well and work with their aesthetic to make a fashion story on her. So that's, that's what you're doing. But some of them want to see, they want to see the board. We usually do like, especially for cover shoots, we'll give them a sense of the fashion board once like there's a bunch of things maybe like six to eight looks confirmed so that they can see because you never want to get there and then you're like we're doing power suits and they're like cool but I only wear dresses and right. all those suits are pants so if someone had just run that by me I'm in trouble or like you can get somewhere there's like people who don't wear like I don't wear red ever so right. you don't want to like come up with a red story and not have run that by the talent and then they're like sorry I don't wear red what, what are you going to do Right, right. Like you book time, it costs money. It costs a lot of money. Photo shoots cost a lot of money. Yeah. And yeah. it's the time. It's like once you've gotten everyone on the same page, everyone has this day available, you cannot show up with nothing that they'll wear. Right. So, yeah. Although those things, crazy things happen. I know an old boss of mine had, like, we'll have trunks. We ship, we call them trunks. They're these big, like, steamer trunks that we put all the clothes in. Mm -hmm. And you ship them and they go on a plane by themselves. But they don't necessarily always have priority on the plane. Like if, if, you know, there's a lot of passengers with overweight luggage or too much luggage, mm -hmm. your things get pushed to the back. Or like, I know someone was telling me like they didn't get something because it was coming from FedEx, but then they had an emergency, like they had an organ donor. So they had to like nix everything and they didn't ship anything wow. out. Wow. So that person, he ended up with no clothes at the shoot basically. And it was like, you still got to figure out on how to make it work. Like jewelry came, so it became about jewelry. So it's like, wow, yeah. Those are those are like our things that scare us. Like I know another time I was at a lure and the trunk fell off of the van on the highway. What? So like, you have like these horror stories where you're just like, oh my God, nothing's here. Or like things break or, you know, things, always a shipping it. issue. Oh my God. Oh, oh. Fell out. Fell that's out insane. of the car on the highway. That's insane. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that's like one of those where like, you're like, I'm gonna really say this out loud. Like, I don't know if this, it's like, it's, somebody's not gonna believe me when I say this. <laughs> that this right. just happened. Like you need like you need evidence of it, but we right. always have like, shipping issues where things don't arrive. Like I had a, so many during COVID, it was the wildest. Mm. I was like, I just need to get through the shipping issues. Cause you know, like we, there was like a ban from traveling to, to and from Europe. So it was like, well, we can't get anything from here. And then people left their offices thinking that they were going to go back in like two weeks, maybe a month. So like, then you had no access. So all the samples were just sitting in an office. Right. I had a friend who biked to his office. and was like, I am desperate. So he took his bike, <laughs> went to the office and we've been there and we were on like FaceTime. I'm like, what's inside of here? He's like, I don't even know what's here. So he was like going around looking at things. Wow. You know, what I was like, I think I, we can make that work. Can you please send it? Wow. Yeah, no, well, and that was going to be one of my questions is just like how everything has been going during this period, you know, like doing everything remotely. 
I can only, yeah. especially for something that requires as much, like, you know, just, I mean, for the most part being really hands-on and like yeah. really being detail-oriented. So how does that even work during a time like this? I'd say for the only real issues we have are like shipping, but otherwise everything else, it's fine. We're visual. So like, great. We have computers. We can look at everything. The only thing is like, maybe you're not seeing how it moves or maybe you don't really know if that's like, is it made out of velvet or is it made out of a different fabric? So like, those are things you have to, there's more question asking and like, for me, for styling things, I'm constantly asking like, how much give does that fabric have? Or like, do you think it's really small? Cause before I could go to like a showroom or go and just like feel it and see like, is it really a size two? Or is it more like a size zero? Or is it more like a size six? Like knowing those things, but that's, you know, that's also part of like my knowledge and my experience in this industry of knowing like which designers, like how their things truly fit and what's gonna work on people. But I'd say we're like managing pretty fantastically without like having to be able to go to an office and to meet together. So, but we do have a lot of Zoom meetings. Yeah. Where I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> God I'm not. Zoom fatigue is real. Zoom fatigue. It's a real thing. Um, were you involved in the Viola Davis shoot? Um, like we got in clothes and, you okay. know, I, um, we, I'd say, you know, our creative team booked a photographer and, um, and just working with her stylist on getting yeah. her clothes. That was, was really tricky because it came up last minute. Okay. Um, and it was like, I feel like peak COVID time still, like everyone was still up in air. So working with her and, you know, working with her comfortability level right. and trying to get, you know, what the stylist and the photographer had in mind and what Viola wanted to show. So yeah, that was really great to be able yeah, to work on that. That was definitely a statement. Yeah. So when you think, of, when you do your shoots, do you think about like the, the possibility of them, of them going viral? Like, is that something that, um, that you kind of have to factor in at all? You know, these I days? Think I think it's like, you never know. I think there's some covers that you think will go viral and then they don't. And then there's others that like do, and you're just like, oh, wow. I mean, I don't know if we necessarily thought that that Viola cover would go viral. Mm -hmm. Definitely not. I, I assumed once I finally was able to see like our Brianna Taylor cover, like that was kept, like a big, that was kept like a, the biggest secret basically almost to like the day before it was kind of come out what it was. And I was like, wow, this is going to be really big. Like, you, you know, like this is going to be everywhere. You'll okay. you can see it. And I felt like the same thing with like, when we had Angela, like when I knew I had Angela Davis to, to yeah. work with, I was like, wow, that's, that's going to really resonate with a lot of people. And then yeah. some of them, you're just like shocked. You're just like, oh, everyone loved that one. Like sometimes <laughs> it's not your favorite and it's like other people's favorite. So you're just like, wow, it's interesting. You've been, yeah, you have been involved in some really big major covers. I mean, these are the kind of covers that to me, like someone might frame, really. Yes. I, I think the Viola Davis, Brianna Taylor, and that whole issue was incredible. That whole issue, I was like, this is a, I have eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is like something you want to keep forever. To me, it reminded me of when Obama was first elected president and I kept the newspapers that came out. Yeah. It was just like a moment in history, something really important, something really important to me. And like, you know, for Brianna Taylor being like telling her family's story and like really telling her story. And I still right. think it's, 
at the time it was really like about being able to tell her story and still use our platform mm -hmm. to try and get justice. I think that's what everyone was trying to do. And I know like there was like, you know, like we used her image to try and get her justice. So like help, like if anyone was like, just to amplify the message, I'm like, this is not right. And I still think that's something that needs to happen still for a lot of people. Use your plant platform to amplify these voices that don't have them anymore. Yeah, a thousand percent. And especially for a magazine like Vanity Fair that has the kind of audience it has because it's, it's, you know, it covers different, it's entertainment, it's politics, it's, you know, it's a very broad audience. Yeah, yeah. It's great, you know. Yeah, it's not like a fashion but, audience. Like, right, you know. right. And very in-depth articles, like really good articles. I mean, that piece was such, it was such a great um, mm -hmm. issue. And, and then to have, I just love what she looked like. I mean, because that's something that I've been kind of, you know, we've seen her image kind of all over the place and people have, interpreted it in many different ways and yes it feels you're a little like you know you see some of the interpretations and you know it's a, it's kind of interesting because um it's kind of taken on a life of its own in a way and mm -hmm. in some cases it's to definitely honor her and bring about awareness but in other cases you're just you know uh, it's a little it's tough because it's like she's not really here too she's not here yeah no um, yeah, i think it's something that the artist spoke about is you know like doing a type of piece like that yeah but so, that that image was beautiful and um, what's her name again i'm i'm the one who did amy sherald yes amy sherald. yeah yes um yeah and I, I mean yeah that was just a really great a really great I issue and then Angela Davis, which is incredible. I, I just was so proud to work on that. I love like every aspect of it. Like yeah. working with Mahasi, being in those meetings. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> like, just like being like nerdy and geeky and be like, I can't believe, wow. Like at one point I had to like Zoom style. Um, there was like, you know, there's a musician, um, no name. And I was like, this is really yeah. cool. I like your music. Like just being like, you, you like almost like get to fan out and like geek out. In another way that you're just like wow i can't believe i'm talking to you you're like right. you want a pulitzer <laughs> like things like that you're just yeah. like because these are i feel like for me in fashion those aren't people that you ever think you're going to ever meet yeah like yeah i might get to meet rihanna one day i mean maybe mm -hmm. it feels more likely than i would get to sit on a zoom with angela davis like that just right. sam feels like so crazy to me like yeah rihanna has a fashion line like Maybe I'll get to go to an appointment one day or meet her or like something like that. Yeah. But like, when will I ever get to talk with Dr. Angela Davis? Like right. never thought that was gonna happen in my life. So. Right. And it's so great to be able to kind of bring all of the things that matter to you into like bring them all together. You know, like yeah. your consciousness, being a black woman and you know, like just doing something that matters and for that to be part of you know, bring that into what you, into your work. Yeah. Like, like I have another side of me, like I love fashion, that's important, yeah. but I also, you know, I find all these other things interesting. So that was like one time where I was able to marry the two, like at NYU, I majored, I also majored in history yeah. and I concentrated in African-American history. So like, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I'm sure you bring that into your, yeah. your work, you know, naturally, because you know that there's a story there's always context mm -hmm. you know, to everything 
So how long have you been at Vanity Fair? I've been at Vanity Fair for, I'm trying to think now. In January, it'll be two years. And like for, I'd say the first three months, I was actually doing somebody's maternity leave. Okay. So the accessories director is somebody I used to work with. And she was like, hey, I was freelancing. So she's like, do you want to do my maternity leave? So I'm like, sure, why not? And so then after I was there for a few months, the um, the fashion director at the time was Samira Nasser, who's now the the editor-in-chief at Harper's Bazaar. I'd worked with her when I was at InStyle. She was our fashion director when I was there and I was an accessories editor. So she was like, great, you know, I like really love having you here. Would you like consider staying on? So I took, I stayed, that's it, I stayed. I <laughs> and then it. she ended up leaving the summer to become the editor-in-chief at Bazaar. And that is when I got promoted to be the fashion director. Amazing. Did you expect to be promoted? Like once you found out that she was leaving? I think in fashion, you never expect anything. Okay. <laughs> so it's something I wanted and I, and I truly applied and let them know, like, I am interested in this. And they were like, great. We didn't know. So um, it's something I really thought I had, you know, worked towards. That was something I was working towards in my career. I had been a fashion director before, but at a beauty magazine. So I just felt like you know, that was like a great transition for me. So it was something I really wanted and I was so happy that they were on board with it. So right. yeah, but yeah, I think in fashion, you can never expect, sometimes I'm like, when she became the editor in chief, I had no idea. I was like, I'm shocked. And she's like, Why are you shocked? Cause I remember actually at one point I was like, are you gonna leave to be the editor in chief of Bazaar? It was like in the, it was like way before she was announced, like way before it was during fashion week when they knew I was like, I heard this. And she like totally, she's told me later on that I took her off guard and she's like, I couldn't even believe that you just said that. And I was like, that was just me being like funny. I mean, cause you never know what's going to happen in fashion. And I was like, look, you never know what's going to happen. You're the editor in chief. And she's like, yeah. And it's something she deserves. So it's like, I think in fashion, you get like all these things where you're like, wow, that was shocking. Even when designers leave houses, you're like, there's people who are like, oh, I bet you this person's going to get this job. And then it's, nope, it's always like unexpected. So, wow. Um, are there any designers that you are excited about? Like, are, are there a few designers you want to name that you're excited about? I am really excited by Kenneth Eyes. He's a London-based designer. He's really cool. I think he like makes beautiful clothes, lots of color. Um, and I think like sometimes the London designers are more like experimental than the American ones. So I'm really excited about like his career trajectory. I follow it. I love it, love, love everything. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really loving what um, Kirby is doing with Pierre Moss. I think it's really interesting. I think there's also like a, he only releases things like when he has like an idea and it's not like a con he doesn't really follow the fashion calendar and I think that's really smart and I think that's something that we need now especially with the planet is dying so we need and fashion is a huge contributor to just ruining it with all of our waste so I think it's really smart that he's like yep yeah, I have an idea about this and this is what I'm going to put forward it's not going to be like a hundred things you know four times a year it's just, so I think that's really smart and I also like his other initiatives about like raising awareness within the community and amplifying voices too. Um, and I'm trying to think of who else. I mean, I am like a diehard Miu Miu and Prada fan. Mm -hmm. 
Like I love, I love Miss, I call her Mrs. Prada. She's my mom. I always think she's really inventive and creative. I can't wait to see her show. I'm always like, this excites me. Like, I really love it. You know, she's old school, but I just like, I think it's great. And I'm like really into everything she does, especially for Mew Mew. Cause it's just like so girly and cute. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love like, yeah. those are the people I'm always really interested in watching. Yeah. I like all of those people also really interestingly enough um <laughs> and I love oh I love also love Alessandra Michele for Gucci I think it's amazing it's like so kooky and nuts and like fun and I feel like he also is leaning towards that like we need to be more sustainable in fashion he's not going to be putting out like shows all the time like everyone else he's doing his own schedule mm-hmm. and I, I like love um I feel like they're a company that's really embracing the black community and seeing that a lot of their aesthetic has come from the black community and and like recognizing it and not being like no it wasn't meanwhile you're like hey i saw that picture right you know embracing like you know hey i'm gonna work with dapper dan i know this is where i made this design from i'm gonna do it like i'm pushing it forward and they have like a really great initiative called change makers and that's also another place where they're amplifying like young creatives of color and so I think that and I always like it's just fun like it also is like kind of nostalgic for me like you couldn't wait to get like something random like Gucci print like those things mm-hmm. whether it was like real or not like I have a I have an old Gucci sweatshirt that I know is a knockoff from like uh-huh. but like he went and made those sweatshirts again that are like real Gucci and I'm like this is so funny because I have an authentic knockoff that he knocked off the knockoffs Right. I have yet. I'm so that's that's what I miss. Like the fact that I have not been to his atelier in Harlem. I'm just like, ah, oh, that's how you know I haven't been to New York in a while. Because that's yeah. the stop that I know I have a Dapper Dan Vuitton bag, like that one of my like friends and I in college, we traded bags and she was like, I really want this bag. And I was like, is that a Dapper Dan bag? So I have this old Utah Dapper Dan bag in there that I don't even use anymore because I don't want it to get ruined. Right. But I feel like I should need to take it to the atelier, but I know it's like Dapper Dan and Gucci now to be like, can you like fix this? <laughs> uh, he would probably, I mean, that could be interesting. Yeah. You know, like one of the like pre-Gucci, like an original. Yeah. It's like, know? yeah, it's a, a Dapper Dan when he used to just do stuff with the Vuitton, that monogram. That was like yeah. old. Where people would have sneakers. They would get their car done like that. It was so um, nice. No, and I, mean, I had an older brother, so like I loved all that like crazy '80s stuff that they used to do back then. Mm-hmm. No, it's such a great story, like his story, and and just the fact that it came full circle in the way that it did, and the way that like social media. I mean, that's the that was the positive, right? Like everyone yep. called that out when they saw that piece come down the runway. With right, leaves. They're like, hold up, <laughs> we've seen this before. You know, and I mean, that's probably the best way it could have happened, like for Gucci. Like, I feel like some of the other brands kind of want to follow suit, but I don't know if they can find as organic of a way to Yeah, I don't know if it'll work with other brands. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's very cool. Um, Yeah, I'm super excited by um, Kirby and and Moss. I love, you know, just seeing what he's doing. It's definitely an entire movement. And, and it's like, I just love to see us using our platforms like creative people, black people, 
reputation also just you know like utilizing our talents and our voices to like we might do this particular thing but like having the just like using it to to teach to teach people you know what i mean right. and, and expose people yeah to just like, like i feel like it also shows like you can do more than one thing right right Right. Do more than one thing. So true. Right. So true. <laughs> um, are you? Had you ever thought about designing? No. <laughs> okay. okay. I just don't. I don't know. Maybe like when I was like a really young kid, I'd be like, I want to be a fashion designer. But I just don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's something. I feel like I, where I could do it is like creatively be like oh I think it'd be really interesting if you made this in this fabric but I don't think I could come up like like I couldn't be like a Marc Jacobs and coming up with my own like ideas of like this is should be a whole show like this like I I definitely don't think I could do that well I could be like I don't like the color of that I think this is better yeah like that is where my you know I think this would like look better editorially and then if you change it like this it'll look it'll sell better commercially but not mm -hmm. designing Thing. Like maybe a t-shirt. Happy to t-shirts. So, okay. What are some of the goals that you have like going forward, either within this role or just in your career as a whole? I don't, I don't know. I'm I sure are in the process of achieving them, but you know, just. I just want to like, I just want to like tell more of our stories. I just want to bring more people into it. I really feel like since being a mom that I, and to girls too, that I just want to show young girls that like the sky is the limit and you just have to do what you love. And I think that's really important to show them like, I'm a black mom, I'm working. I feel like I'm like, I feel like people always say like, you can't have it all, but like, what else do I want? Like, I don't know, I guess I could use more money. Like everyone can always use more money. That's not like a problem, but you know, like, I just feel like that is something that's really important to me. And like, I don't know, maybe do some like really crazy fashion story that I've never done before, or like the opportunity to do costume design on a movie or like a TV show. Yeah. Although like we're talking to my best friend, she's like, it'll just ruin TV and movies for you. But I'm like, I think it would be fun. Like I would even like love the opportunity to like do one with her. Yeah. Since, like, I know that's like a whole other field to learn, but I would love like that. I think that's something that would be really fun for me. Yeah. Until well, it seems like, you know, you kind of naturally draw from that from like <laughs> film and tv so yeah you know it feels like that would make sense transition wise um or like for, you know for you to try that out where i'd say like i'd really love to i could i'd really love to one day be able to style a Mew Mew runway show hmm. that would be really exciting to me i've styled one runway show before but i'd love to style a Mew Mew runway show okay. i'd love the opportunity to style like Rihanna for a cover mm -hmm. and a fashion story with like some super cool photographer. Like I think that that would be really fun or like even somebody like really old school. Like, <laughs> I don't know, just something like that. Like the things that I'm just like, that would be amazing to get to do that. Right. And like, 
maybe it'd be a nightmare. I don't know. But, or <laughs> and like, I don't know. Maybe Diana Ross will go back on tour and she's like, do my do my wardrobe for the tour. Like, I think I'm a faint over 